a Highline podcast. Hey, you might notice that this episode is a little bit shorter, and it's because this is a teaser of the bonus episode that is available to our patrons who are supporting us. Um, The full episode is available in your bonus feed, so go check that out. But for everyone who does not have access to that yet, A, you can support us for as little as $3 a month, buy our drinks, help us cover costs if you would like to join us for some bonus stuff. But B, we thought we'd throw in here a couple minutes of us rambling. Our bonus episode this time was us responding to the rise and the fall of the Mars Hill podcast. That's right. We affectionately called this bonus episode the rise and fall of the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast podcast, um, because I personally find that delightfully funny. Um, and we talked about all sorts of things like the content of the show, the, uh, the structure of the show, the, the way Cosper chose to organize his episodes and his thoughts. My goodness. Yeah, we, we did quite a deep dive, didn't we, you guys? And yet there's still so much more to discuss and we would love to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. Uh, but if you're a Patreon, then you can join in the conversation. And that's exactly what we want. We want to have those conversations with you. We didn't even discuss. Oh, my gosh. So many things. And we want to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, that's oh. a good point. We are hosting a live. Oh, hi, Thea. Hello. Fourth co-host on Ravel. I love this. Um, we, yeah, we didn't even uh, discuss that. I, we are doing a live event in our Patreon Discord um, with our group, essentially. like They have the Mars Hill podcast. They have this bonus episode that we're teasing today. And in March, we are going to do a live hangout and discuss anything we want to, again, still about this Mars Hill thing that happened in the Seattle area many, many years ago in a galaxy that was not far away. It's this (laughs) galaxy. So without further ado, here's a few clips that we chose to feature for you, free feed moochers. (laughs) (laughs) Even like right now, just thinking about it, I'm so uncomfortable. And I think. What is it that you're uncomfortable with? I think it's one of those things where when we do have these like ideals of like what we're looking for in a woman, like who's the ideal Christian woman and, you know, Mm. who are who are people that we should be like, who our hearts should be longing for, like having a woman who has the heart of God and trying to describe like. A perfect partner or spouse and the heart of god but the body of a porn star yes like just, <laughs> just cringy and really unrealistic uh has you ever seen a woman <laughs> like mm. like an average everyday women men children like we all come in different shapes and sizes and when you have ideals set of this is what a woman of faith should look like, should be like, should live like. You're essentially saying, like, go get the Botox of Christianity. <laughs> like, mm, go, wow. go get, go get the fillers, the liposuction, the the tucks, the nips, all of that, but in a theological realm. And it's unhealthy. It is so unhealthy. Mm. And I think for me, like. Looking at my upbringing and what I was taught of, like, I'm a treasure and, like, I don't want to give that treasure away, you know, 
while we want to say it was referring to me as a whole, it was referring to me as a sex object. Like that treasure that I'm so desperately holding on to for the right person is my virginity, is like me as a sex object. And the standards, you know, that we that we put Mm. on women, especially in the in the Christian faith. I think we do have standards of what a woman should be like. And I think of the ideals and not that there's anything wrong with these women that I'm going to name, but like that's the epitome of like what we put people up to. And it's it's just not realistic. You know, I think of like Sadie Robertson and. um. Oh, gosh, who's another I'm trying to think another kind of like influencer type person who is very like devout. They're just ideals that. We can't all achieve that standard like we can't have I will never be able to look like them. My faith journey will never look like that because we all have such different and unique experiences as women like Sadie was fortunate to grow up in a family where she's loved and cherished. There are women, though, who are beaten senseless and there are women who are treated like objects and there are women who are passed around and being seen as worthless. And so to try to tell them that they're worthy, but only by these certain standards, it's just ridiculous. And I think you can have the heart of God and not have a porn star's body. And if you need if you need to have a porn star's body to do that, then maybe Christianity is not the thing for you, according to them. (laughs) Yeah, if you need it or if your husband needs it, because like the Ugh. the the emphasis on like the the leadership of your house and thereby as a man mm-hmm. you are like entitled I mean literally entitled to blowjobs entitled is what he was yep. saying from the pulpit. Um basically, which it, it would be rape. I <laughs> like it, marital rape. I yeah, I the that level of like, I th- I think we could reasonably call that spiritual trauma, at least from like, from the aspect of a, a male church leader pressuring women to perform things with their husband because um, we have this like philosophy of women in, in this brand of American or this philosophy of men in this brand of American Christianity that's like, um, all about how we're like sex crazed, like our libidos are never off. Like we can get turned on in the matter of seconds. It's like, Mm. that's, that's even an unrealistic version of like being told what I, as a cishet man should feel like, like I, I'm not Mm -hmm. horny all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. but Mark thinks I should be. So like, what's wrong with me then? You know? Yeah. Did you guys see the tweets this last week where people, um, or someone tweeted, we need a Christian Joe Rogan and someone retweeted and said, yeah, yeah. it was Mark Driscoll and it ended terribly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fire. That was strong. That was good. But yeah, yeah man, like just, it's all uh, just unrealistic expectations for what like manhood, womanhood look like. It's, it's so cookie cutter and just like, it makes me think, <laughs> think of there's an episode of law and order svu where um i don't remember what season no it's a perfect example of this very idea i where love how often this, you quote this show it's so good i f-ing love that show um <laughs> there is an episode where it's a youth group that's doing like a mission trip in new york city 
And um, it's a very charismatic youth leader. Uh, he's actually the guy, he was um, the quarterback in um, Remember the Titans. Great actor. Oh, Anyways, nice. Yeah. Off subject. Um, he's like, he's the leader of the church. He's like very young. He's very charismatic. And like, you know, he says the right things to get people's attention. Well, he basically tells like this man, oh, well, if you, you know, you really like this girl and you're destined to be with her you're gay and we need to basically shake that out of you. So go have forceful sex with this girl to cleanse you of your homosexuality. What and the... it turns out that the girl is also a lesbian and Whoa. she was raped by the guy, the, the, the student basically that the pastor was speaking to. And it just speaks of like this concept of Ugh. purity of, you know, sexuality and this woman belongs to you. Be a man, seize what's yours, you know, it's it's yours for the taking. Oh. And she needs to submit to you essentially. And it is so <laughs> on so many levels. Um, but that episode reminds me of just like the characters of of his sermons, basically. Like the, yeah. those same talking points may not have been exactly the same, but that message was the same. And that's so, so toxic theologically. That is so that is not life giving. If the, if you have your bingo cards out, you should rubber stamp <laughs> that sucker because that is so not life giving. Wow. Well, honestly, it was from what I understand, most of the community backlash here in Seattle was against Mark's very clearly anti LGBTQ stances and rhetoric mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. like that, that sexual ethic he was describing and that you're describing from like the, the podcast and like some of the rhetoric that's out there still um, it's a, it's a very conservative sexual ethic. And I think that oftentimes it's not clear that that sexual ethic is very anti LGBTQ. And I wish that that was talked about more on the podcast. Like, like even just like from a social standpoint, like I don't even think, uh, like, I don't even think he would have necessarily needed to argue that, like, that conservative sexual ethic is, like, ethically wrong for all of these reasons. Like, I don't think he, like, had to have attacked the theology necessarily, because it's so funny that, like, people just always get so up in arms about that, um, like, whenever they hear one of their ideas criticized. <laughs> but, like, what I think would have been really fascinating <laughs> to talk about is that, like, like Seattle didn't have a problem with the fact that he was a megachurch and that he was countercultural and he was like attracting all these punk people. Like nobody cared about that. What people really cared about was like how openly anti LGBTQ he was and that so many people were just eating it up. Mm -hmm. And mm. like, uh, it's unfortunate that that's such an easy example of theology being harmful and the theology of Mars Hill being harmful. And what I really wished was going to happen in the podcast, and I think this is what kept me coming back, was what I was, what I really wanted to happen was like a, like a good summarized, here's what happened. Here's like a summary of the course of events, some of the people who were involved, and like maybe some of their perspectives. But then what I really wanted to happen was some analysis on like the social theology that was Mars Hill. 
like mm, people mm-hmm. clearly were involved in it. Huh. People went to that church and disagreed with it. Mm. Um, people outside of the community had certain opinions of it because of its theology. Um, things happened because of its theology. Abuse happened because of its theology. Like, I, I think that that, like, it's just so obvious to me that like those things happened. Like that there were so many ramifications of Mars Hill's specific theology. Yeah. Yeah. Sex and women and LGBTQ people Gosh. being one of them. Yeah, right. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Ravel is a founding podcast of the Highline Media Network. And here's a word from one of our sister shows, No Normal People. Hello, friends. This is Stephen and Dixie Lee with No Normal People. We are hard at work on season three of the podcast that will be coming out April of 2022. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. Do you like rocks or beans or planes? Yeah, I like beans. We People like those things. <laughs> and you might also like those things. And we would love to talk about it with you. If you like those things or have other or passions other and things. interests that you want to talk about. It and doesn't you, have to exclusively be those things. We would love to feature you <laughs> on No Normal People. And you can sign up to be on the show by emailing us at nopeoplepod at gmail.com. That's K-N-O-W, People Pod. Or sign up on our show page at www.highline.network. And bonus points if you actually do want to talk about beans. I love beans. I like coffee beans. That's a good bean. Josh, you know how the first miracle of Jesus is pretty famously him turning water into wine at a wedding? Yeah, I mean, that's if he existed. But yes, continue. Well, I also find in scripture that we are told that we are empowered to do greater things even than this. And I think he probably meant turning water into delicious coffee. Okay, sure. But that implies that he would have been using instant coffee. And I think we all know that Jesus was an AeroPress man. Oh, great point. So what that means is that we can also do this. We can grow in the miracle of coffee, whether it's pour over, whether it's a quick morning espresso or French press, guess what? We sell coffee. Yes. And you can order it directly from our website. That's highline.network forward slash shop.
like from a journalistic perspective, like maybe we should talk about the uh, the art like, of the pod, the art of the podcast. Yes, um, like I really disliked overall, like in his storytelling, that he was treating the production and the storytelling like it was a developing story. Like obviously, Christianity Today was trying to do like a serial type show. Which like oh my gosh right is a thing but like it was not a developing story it happened now years almost ago. eight years ago yeah and like you should have gathered all of your material and all of your interviews first I and then threaded the documentary completely Absolutely. agree I think I think what drove him to make the choice to treat it as developing because liter like right up until the very end he was holding out hope that Mark Driscoll himself would agree to come on an interview. Yeah, but so what? Just do a bonus episode. Right? Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. That, it really, like, I have not been to journalism school, um, but <laughs> I feel like that's pretty clearly, like, not how a story like this should have been treated. Nope. Mm. Well, that's not even, how, like, how, like, a show like Serial or S-Town is made. Like yeah, they like right. they report like in the moment like it's developing for them, but like in the production aspect, like they have everything. <laughs> like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before they, they ever start the editing and transcripting, <laughs> they have recorded everything, everything they need. Yeah. Do you think that would have changed the quality of this podcast if they had the meat like were able to do that? Absolutely, I think it would. Yeah, every um, every episode would have felt like it was part of a larger whole, whereas like the first six, seven episodes felt so weirdly scattered and they were all kind of like false starts at what could have been the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas like had you collected everything from the beginning, A, you would have created a coherent story that you, you could refer back to like he did, like we discussed this in depth in episode four, but we're, now we're in episode mm -hmm. six. Like you could have done that a lot more gracefully from like the narration side of the podcast. And also we got to talk about how he was so irregular with his episode drops. Yeah. I mean, that's the other problem with it too. What the heck? Mm -hmm. That was so frustrating. He clearly didn't have everything ready to go. Very inconsistent. Yeah. And that's like, that's the thing that's preached to beginning podcasters from the beginning is the consistent. Podcasting 101. Listen, Ravel has never missed a Wednesday except for the two Wednesdays on the week of Christmas that we explicitly planned for. <gasps> Look at that. Like, that's so true. We have never no missed posting like the first thing in the morning on a Wednesday morning so that our listeners are waking up to a new Ravel episode. Like that is something that I am mm -hmm. like religiously committed to because i think that's the best way to build uh credibility and well and <sighs> think about like they have an entire like production team like there are multiple people yeah. who are responsible right. for this oh yeah so we what should, yeah. what happened who dropped let's, the ball whose assignment was it let's like, do that just because i feel like bragging i'm gonna pull up the last episode and just look at the credits in the show notes um, because we could, but again, he should have just had it all produced yeah, and mm -hmm. then run with it. Yeah, totally. I mean, cause like realistically you guys are there, you guys are on Ravel as hosts. We would say social media done by, uh, Josh Llewellyn. And then 
gosh, like I'm looking at the rest of the roster. Like I, I think I would effectively be called our executive producer, associate producer, <laughs> editor, sound designer, music by like, yep. <laughs> yep. Steven, man and of like, many hats. I know our show is different, but also like if I ever wanted to tackle a serialized type story like this, like if I wanted to break down the rise and fall of like campus and Billings, um, which there are plenty of stories there that like if I ever wanted to, I I could try and make that a thing. I would not approach it at all the way Cosper seems to have approached the entire Mars Hill feed. Okay, so that leads me to the question of if you were going to make this podcast, how would you do it? Mm. Gosh. Because I am under the impression... No, no, that's not the right phrase. I feel very skeptical that this is a genre that we want. I think the best name for it, at least in the way that Cosper portrayed it, could be called Church Exposé. Mm. Ooh, I like that. It's not quite like right. tabloidy. It's not sociology. It's not investigative journalism. It feels very no. expose-like. Granted, well, I think that the style could be done differently. So what would you do? What I definitely would not do is let my future interviews be influenced by the audio I had already released through episodes one through five. Like, Ooh, he was collecting yeah. tape after he published his first episode. And that that influences oh. the people who are going to want to get in touch with you, whether they have like mm. a new salacious story to tell or if they're trying to defend. It's like they're going to hear something mm -hmm. that's clearly given a bent by Christianity Today and Mike Cosper's own like editorial style. Um, and he's influencing the way the whole show ends by not collecting his tape from the beginning like that. Yeah, was my biggest problem with the way the mm -hmm. show behaved. Um, I think though, I think I, I imagine trying to tackle a story like this from a pure chronological order was something they probably looked at and quickly abandoned just given the multiple Wait, threads, the multiple threads and themes. So yeah, like, yes, I have a problem with the way he collected the tape, but organizing the tape I didn't actually have all that much of a problem with it. Like I said, I felt like the first handful of episodes all felt like false starts and could have been episode one. But like, I like that I get to look back on the feed and know that if I want to get the, uh, get the lowdown on like Robert Schuller and Rick Warren, that's like the boomers mm. episode. And if I want to hear all the disgusting stuff about what, like how a Christian wife is a sex object for a really horny Christian man. Like, I know the episode. I can go listen. You know, Josh, how it's uh, the first miracle of Jesus was turning water into wine? Certainly a miracle, but I found it's far easier to turn water into delicious coffee. That is true. I'm convinced that when Jesus said that he was going to send the 
a comforter to us. What he was really referring to in the Greek was uh, koftoper. Cough, cough, that did not work. But uh, what I'm trying to say is I think Jesus was trying to send us coffee. That joke did not work. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly possible. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so bad, John. <laughs> <laughs> we have to redo it. It sounded so much better in my head. Coughticker. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Marker. Hello, and welcome to No Normal People. This is a show where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. You know how there's like famous people in the world that are known very well and how they go on podcasts? Yeah. Well, we don't do that. Marketable names and yeah, audience. Buzzwords, and, buzz yeah, names. Social following. Yeah. And, John yeah. Buzz. and Well, we interview people like your Uncle Terry, who collects model trains. Because he's normal. We'll even interview you, even if you don't have the cool trains that your uncle has. You can email us at nopeoplepod at gmail.com or visit our show page on www.highline.network to sign up to be on the show. And remember, the only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.